So it, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and and as he gets ready for Super Bowl, like the thing that I can't help think about is is all of those athletes who are like just waiting right now, right? They've been they've been preparing their whole life for this moment. They they've they've worked hard all season long, and now they're like on the verge of of the biggest game of the year, and they're just excited and anxious and just ready right and, and i think back to it because like all through high school and college playing football and then all my years playing rugby like i i would get that a little bit right like game day you get just excited you've been preparing and and yet the the to compare that to the super bowl is just crazy right because so i just think about like well it's west coast so they're still a little bit behind us but Man, just the, the anticipation and all of that. And and so it's fitting that as we're thinking about that, and you know, I know even for me now, my, my Super Bowl preparations aren't quite to the extent of the athletes who are getting ready to play tonight. Like mine is more of like, we need to get hot dog buns on the way home because we've got the hot dogs but no buns, right? Like that's, that's the extent of my preparation now. But there's this piece about, uh, as we're going through Jude, we're, we're doing this just quick two-week verse-by-verse through Jude. 25 verses, so it's not that, it's a tiny little book, right? But but part of it is this, how do we prepare? How do we get ready? And, and Jude, hey, if you remember from last week, right off the bat in verse 3, he says why he wrote this book. He's writing the book because he wants to encourage people. How do we contend for the faith that we have? Right? That, that's his whole purpose in writing this book. How to, how to instruct and encourage the, the Christians to contend for the faith. And last week, Ross walked us through the first 16 verses. And really, it, it was this, this warning about the people who were, were coming into the church, the people who were abusing the grace of God, right? Using the grace of God as a license to do whatever, Right, This idea that, well, God has to forgive me, so I'm going to do whatever I want, and God will forgive me, so the grace of God covers everything, so it's just this, this license to do whatever I want. And on top of that is this unwillingness to bend their knee to God. Right, it, I, It's almost like these people are, are, are people who say, you know what, I want, I want a Savior, so Jesus be my Savior, but now that you've saved me, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my own way. And, and if I get in a pinch, God, I know you're in my corner, but I'm just doing things my own way. And they were not willing to submit to the sovereignty of God in their life. Right? But then there's that twist, as we learned last week, that it's not just watch out for those people, but it's this reminder, like, watch out that that's not you. Right? This encouragement that as we contend for the faith that we have to be constantly examining our hearts. Are we falling in that same trap? Because I know I'm prone to do that as well. Right? God, rescue me. God, I need you as my Savior. Oh, thanks. Now I've got it. Let me just continue to do things on my own. God, I don't need you right now, but I'll call you if I need you. I'm, I'm fine on my own. And so we're reminded of that, that we're to be on guard, that we're to, to be warned about those people. Now we're coming to the end of Jude. We're going to pick up in Jude, verse 17. Let me read this passage that we're going to go through today. Verse 17, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. 
These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. God, we pray that, that as we learn today, God, soften our hearts, open our eyes to see you. God, my prayer is that, that I won't get in the way, but that we would catch a glimpse of you and understand who you are and what it means for us to be obedient and follow you with all that we have. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. So we pick this up at verse 17, and, and, and really verses 17 through 19 kind of feel like this continuation of, of the first 16 verses, right? It's this continued warning. This continued warning about these people that, that are, are there to divide, that, are, that don't have the Spirit, right? These people who are living and, and abusing the gospel for their own gain. But it's, it's not quite just a recap of the warnings from the first chunk of the book. It really, this, these first couple of verses turn into this, well, how do we contend? What does it look like for us to contend for the faith? Now, if Jude says that's what he wants to do is teach us how to contend for our faith, and then he goes into warning us, well, now it's, well, what do I do? I'm, on, I'm, I'm watching out, now what do I do? And so it starts the first part of contending for the faith is it were to be on guard. And so it does reflect back to the, the first half, right? Warning of, of these people who are, who are abusing the gospel. Warning of these people whose, whose sole purpose is to, to use the good news of the gospel for their own gain, twisting things for their own benefit. Right? Verse 18 says, the last time there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you and follow mere natural instincts. They do not have the Spirit. They twist things to benefit themselves and refuse to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And so part of contending for our faith is that we have to be on guard. We have to watch out. Right? The people who want a Savior to rescue them but don't want to yield to His way. And so to start with contending, we have to be on guard. We have to be aware. Again, not just for those outside or those who are preaching, right? That, that you should be on guard just because I'm standing up here and, and preaching, like examine the words that I say. Do these line up with God's word? Is this truth or is this just me trying to, to gain followers and, and gain praise? As a church, we don't just listen and whatever we hear, we accept that we examine it to God's word because God's word is the standard of truth. And are we continually submitting to the authority of God in our own lives? And so we have to be on guard. But it's not just about those people. 
Verse 20 picks up, but you, dear friends, right? The second part of contending for our faith is, is not just to con- concentrate on those who are outside and, and who are denying the sovereignty of God, but what are we supposed to do? In contrast to the people who have tossed aside God's sovereignty to say what is right and wrong, what are we to do as we uh, understand and submit to the authority of Christ in our life? And the instruction is, is really simple, although we have to kind of pick the sentence apart because like a lot of good grammar lessons, right? The teachers don't just give you a simple sentence that tells you what to do in order. It's like it's all twisted around because you read this and it looks like, well, first thing I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to build up my faith. But really the instruction, the command in these two verses that the instruction is, but you, dear friends, keep yourself in the love of God by building up your faith. Right? We got to look through that. So what does it mean? We're, our instructions that we're to keep ourselves in the love of Christ. What are we supposed to how? I'm sorry. I look at that sentence and I get confused. Right? What does it mean to keep yourself in God's love? Because it's not keep God loving you. Right? It's easy to kind of think, well, maybe it's trying to tell us, well, I'm supposed to keep God loving me. So I'm going to do all the things I need to do so that God loves me more. That's not what it's saying, right? We can't make God love us more. God's love is constant. God's love is perfect. It is not dependent on us. So we can't make God love us more. So it can't be that. It's not keep loving God, right? Although that that maybe would be an easy way to look at it. Well, I'm just supposed to keep loving God. I need to keep on track, keep focused, love God more. That's what I'm called to do. No, we're to keep in the love of God. That's, that is a weird instruction. Like, how do you do that? I think maybe the, the, a helpful way to think about it is, is keeping ourselves in the love of God is, is similar to a command of saying, like, hey, keep yourselves in the sunshine. Okay? I know it's early February in Iowa, but for some reason, it's, like, nice outside and the sun is shining. Uh, I don't want to make a big deal about it because it's still February in Iowa. And who knows what could happen. But right now, it's great. So we were to go outside and it was like, keep yourself in the sunshine this afternoon. You could do that, right? You could go walking outside. You could go and go for a stroll down by the river walk. You go maybe just in your neighborhood, right? We got time before the Super Bowl. You can go have some fun this afternoon. Keep yourself in the sunshine. You can do that. How would you do that? You're walking along. All of a sudden, you're passing a tree and there's a big shadow in front of you. How do you keep yourself in the sunshine? Yeah, don't walk in the shadow. Right? It, keeping ourselves in the love of God is a conscious choice, a conscious effort in the way we live our lives to keep ourselves in God's love, keep ourselves in alignment with what God says. No matter the circumstances, no matter what comes our way, how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? In difficulties and failures, maybe you're like most people and you're like, oh, they said to keep ourselves in the sunshine. You're walking all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in the shadow. Like, what do you, well, you fix it. You move, right? We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to make, forget. But it's this constant effort, this constant choice of choosing what we do. So how do we do that? Then he goes on and gives us the three ways that we're to keep ourselves in the love of God. And this is, I want you to pay attention to this, because this is what we call, when we talk as a church, we talk about discipleship. This is what we're talking about. The process of learning to obey, of learning to follow. Just like we saw in the Gospels as Jesus was walking around, he interacted with people, and he said, come and follow me. And so they said, yes. 
and they became his disciples. They were people who willingly chose to follow. And they made a choice that as followers, they were going to be like, whatever you say, that's the way I'm going to do things. I don't know what the questions are. I don't know what the, the instructions or what life is going to bring my way. But whatever comes, I want to do it your way. That's what discipleship is. It's a process of learning to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Do things my way. And he makes the promise that his yoke is light. Right? That, that as we learn to walk in obedience, that, that's the process that we're taking. We're not here as a church because we're all perfect people who have everything figured out. We're people who are learning to walk as disciples, learning to walk in obedience to God and continually submit to his authority. So what does Jude say? He gives us three things to do. First off, by building up our faith. Again, this goes back to verse 3 where Jude started off. They were to contend for the faith that we have, the cornerstone. The foundation of our faith is Jesus. That we put our faith in him as Savior because we know that because of sin, that we are lost and hopeless and helpless. There's nothing that we could do to save ourselves. We needed a Savior and Jesus came and did what we could not do. Lived a perfect life and died in our place and offered himself as a sacrifice. That is the foundation of our faith, and we build our faith on that. How do we build our faith? We spend time in his word, learning to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. How many of you, in an effort to be healthy, choose to eat a meal once a week? I know we we eat daily probably some of like some of us are guilty of eating more than we should right but but we have to continually be feeding ourselves to grow and in the same way as we build our life on jesus we build our faith as we learn to follow and obey well well how is that going to work if we just wait every sunday to come get a quick snack and then go the rest of the week without building on our faith it's this process of learning to grow and know who god is and what he's calling us to do we need to read God's word. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, right? We are adopted into the family of God because of Jesus. We build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by his spirit. Right? That we are continually, as disciples, we are continually learning to follow. We are continually learning to grow and understand who God is and what he's called us to be. Discipleship isn't a one-step process. It's a way of life where we surrender daily, where we surrender constantly to the Lordship of God in our lives. And so we begin by being ready, by building up our faith, but we also then, uh, he goes on to say, praying in the Spirit. That as followers of Jesus, we want to keep in the love of God. We have, we have to be continually growing in prayer because prayer is communion with God, it's conversation with God. How, how does any relationship stay healthy and grow if there's no communication? God invites us into this constant, ongoing conversation with him, that we can talk with him, that we can grow in relationship with him as we read his word, that he, he desires to know us. And so we are called to pray in the Spirit. 
We're to pray without ceasing, right? never stopping in prayer in our conversation with God. No matter what it is, in everything. If whatever you're facing seems too complicated, talk to God about it. If you're really worried about something, talk to God about it. If you can't make sense of something, talk to God about it. If something just seems too wonderful to be true and things are just going great, talk to God about it. If it's mundane and ordinary and boring, talk to God about it. That we're called as followers of Jesus to have this ongoing conversation with God in prayer. And finally, we're to be waiting on his mercy. So we're building, we're praying, and we're waiting. As followers of Jesus, we're putting our hope in the future of what he promises to do. That God came, that, that, that sin has been defeated, sin has conquered. He is, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, fully glorified. And, and yet we're waiting for our faith to become sight. That one day soon we will be with Jesus and we will see in reality the truth that we believed. So we live by faith. And we, yet we can rest knowing that God will do what he's promised to do, that he is in his very nature faithful and true, and nothing will stop him from from completing what he has begun. And so like the author to the Hebrews in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 reminds them, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And he says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Right? Where is our focus? Our focus is on Jesus, that, that we know that everything that we face, as, as, we, as we keep ready, as we wait on the hope that, that Jesus will finish what he has started. And so we can rest in that. And so we do keep ready but it's more than just being on guard and being ready Jude Jude doesn't stop there because being on guard and ready alone is like somebody who works out just for show right it's it's all these athletes in the Super Bowl they've they've spent years of their life training building their body so that they're able to run faster throw the ball further Tackle people more like as an offensive line. Like that was my thing. Like I practice hard so that I could snap the ball and move people. Like that was my whole mentality for years as a football player. That's what I did. That's what I trained for. Right? But it's not just training. It's training for a purpose. God didn't call us to be disciples to learn more and more and get better and better, becoming smarter, better people so that we can make sure the rest of the world can look at us like, look at us, the church. Look at us Christians. We're, we're almost perfect. We're so smart. We know everything that the Bible says. Look at us. Take notice of how awesome we are, right? Like with the, the bask in my glory, right? Like that's, that should not be our mentality as the church. Why do we train? Why do we understand more of what God has called us to do? So that we can do it. And so finally, Jude's encouragement to the church is be on mission. Be on mission. Verses 22 and 23. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. 
To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Right? Because being ready isn't just an inward focus. Right? Although that's where it has to start. It has to start by being ready. Right? Much like if you're on an airplane and you're getting ready to take off, they run through all the safety instructions. They're like, if, if the cabin loses pressure, what do they tell you to do? Right? Oxygen masks are going to descend. What are you supposed to do? Put your own on first. Right? Be ready. Because once you have oxygen, then you can help those around you. You can help somebody else put on their mask. You can take care of the people around you. But you need to make sure that you're ready. And in the same way as followers of Jesus, we need to be ready. We need to be grounded in the truth. We need to be building our faith in prayer and, and growing in that way so that we can be useful. We are called to have an, have an outward focus and care for others. As a church, we're to have mercy on those who doubt. We all have people in our lives, coworkers, family members, friends, loved ones, who would say, you know, I, I just don't know. I have a hard time taking God at his word. I, I, I'm sure I've read this. We've talked about this. Where I just don't know if I'm ready to, to bend my knee to Jesus. I don't, I don't know if I can quite believe that he is who he says he is. We're to have mercy on people who doubt. In his letter to Timothy, as Paul is writing to his young friend, encouraging him how to lead the church, he says in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Right? Our, our approach to those who doubt, those who don't know, should be in gentleness with the desire to see them come to the understanding of who God is and what he's done. Also the challenge then to save others by snatching them from the fire. Right? The, the reality of it is, if, if we believe that God is who he says he is, then we believe God's word is true, then it says that those who have not put their trust in Jesus as Savior are headed for an eternity separated from God in punishment. That's a sobering reality. That should bring us back to this point of, of desiring that all those we know and love and care about, that they have the same hope that we do. Not because of who they are and what they've done, because none of us, right? The Bible teaches that none of us are perfect. None of us are deserving of God's love. We're all sinners who have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And so we point people to the hope that we have. But we're also told to do so with fear. That we show mercy mixed with fear. This reality is part of being on guard, right? As, as we care for others, as we bring the hope of the gospel to others, we also have to recognize that, man, we, we want to be careful that we aren't corrupted and, and, and tempted in the same way. Right? That, that, that it's not about us and how perfect we are, and now I can go anywhere and everywhere, but that, that I'm constantly a guard, being careful that I'm staying in the love of Christ, right? That I'm careful with the way that I walk. As I seek to be obedient, that, that there's a mixture of fear, right? Not in a judgmental way, like those people are horrible and I don't want to be near them, but that I approach with caution. How do I love people well when they are completely opposed to what I believe, 
Right? How, how do I show mercy to somebody who says that they hate the very gospel that I share and that I cling to, the hope that I believe in? Well, we're called to have mercy. And how do we have mercy? Well, man, we have to keep coming back to the, the reality of like, what is the mercy that I've received? Right? When, I, when I continually remind myself of the gospel and how it has changed me, that, that I'm not here standing in front of you as a, as a perfect example of a follower of Jesus who's got my life all together. Many of you know me. Right? I'm a sinner who's been saved by grace. It's not because of who I am and what I've done. I've ne- I could never and I have never done enough to make God love me any more than he already does. But I am a sinner who's been saved by grace because I came to a point where I realized, God, I can't do this on my own. I could never be good enough. Jesus, I trust that that you are who you say you are, that you did what you said you did, and I trust you with my life. And now I'm learning to walk in obedience to him. And so church, (laughs) that's who we're called to be, people of mercy who are constantly extending the hope of the gospel to those around us, that we love like Jesus loved. Everything points back to Jesus. And so it's fitting as Jude wraps up this this little letter where he says that his desire in this letter is to help people contend for the faith. Here's, Here's how we live out our faith. Here's how we chase after Jesus. Here's how we fight for the truth. And he ends it with this, this point of bringing back to you, it's all about Jesus. Because it's not about what we can do or what we have done. But it all points back to him who is able. Him who is able to keep us from stumbling. Him who will present us before the Father. It all comes back to Jesus. And so as we contend for the faith, we are to be on guard. We are to be ready and continually working to keep ourselves in the love of God. And, and we are to be on mission constantly sharing the hope of what we have found, right? As, as beggars who have found bread, sharing with others, like, look what I have found. Look what God has done for me. Sharing that hope with the world around us. And constantly coming back to the fact that it is all about him. God who does all this work in and through us. And so as we wrap up our time this morning, what I want to do is I just want to pray over us as a church. That we would be a church that contends for the faith. That we would be people who are constantly keeping ourselves in the love of God as we learn to grow and walk in obedience to everything that he teaches us. And as we learn to be people who show mercies, we have received mercies. We're constantly reminded that it's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. So would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your word. And thank you for this short letter of Jude that is a reminder to us, a call to us to obedience. That we would be on guard, that we would be people who are learning to walk obediently in step with you as we bend the knee to you as Lord. Jesus, may we follow you. And and as we understand the mercy you've given us, God, may we be people who, who show mercy, that we love well the people around us as we continually try to point people back to you. 
now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before his glorious presence without falls and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Hey guys, this morning we're, we're going to do something a little bit fun here towards the end of our service. We, we have uh, been partnering with a church in Chica, Panama, and just uh, in January we had a team from church go down to serve alongside the church. And so I'm going to invite Dave and some of the other members of the team to come up and just share a little bit about what God has been doing in that church and, uh, and how we can just continue to grow in excitement and partnership of what God is doing around the globe. Thanks, Mark. So back in mid-January, right, as the snow was falling and the temperatures were falling too, um, seven of us from Hope Church took a trip to see our friends in Chica, Panama. And I came back from that trip just very encouraged um, about our relationship and about what's happening there ministry-wise, how the gospel is being spread in that community by Pastor Ulises and Alma. And um, Mark and Allie and Bethany are going to share in a moment. But I wanted to thank you guys who generously give to support Hope Church. It's because of you that a team could go. Um, you helped purchase the VBS materials. You helped purchase the construction materials that would help us to help them add to their church and add to their church's functionality. But we should be so encouraged as a church um, for what's happening there in that community um, three years ago, when they were sort of restarting that church after a really difficult season in the life of the church, there were literally about three people attending the church. And now, two or three years later, there's 60 people attending the church. You guys are church family. Yeah, so good. Praise God. Our church family supports and sponsors 41 kids there. So... I think they were so encouraged by us coming down, and they need our encouragement, and they need our prayers. I just have one story I want to share, um, and then I'll let these guys tell more about the week and the trip that we were down there. Um, on the last day, it was around noon, and VBS was over, and you guys know maybe in Panama, close to the equator, it's always high 80s, high 80s, you know, um, humidity as well. So these three moms and their kids were standing, waiting kind of for the heat of the day to go by, and we were lucky to be able to give them a ride in the van that we had rented um, up back up the mountain to their house. And guys, they, they every day for VBS and every week for, for church, they walk almost two miles down the mountain and two miles back up the mountain. And I just kind of came back thinking and praying like for us, how they, how dedicated they are to being together and encouraged by being together with one another and worshiping God and hearing from his word, that we would be that kind of people, that we would yearn to be people that would come and and just want to be together, to worship God together. So I just came back super encouraged by them. Um, Allie was, was awesome on the trip. She's from Colombia and her native language is Spanish. So it was so good to be able to have an interpreter that could bring out the meaning of what they were saying to us and not just the words of what they were saying to us. So, Allie, tell us about VBS and kind of how the trip touched you. Good morning. My name is Alejandra Janicki, and I was honored to be able and to be on this trip. I help translating wherever I can. 
and I also taught BBS. Um, our BBS was very similar to the BBS we do here. We had a teaching, we had music, we had um, crafts and games, and we also had um, a Dr. Tammy who came with us. She had a little consultation room where the kids could go and, you know, share wherever they wanted to share or talk about whatever pain they had. Um, they really, like a lot of the kids told me that they really enjoy Dr. Tammy. Um, we talked about um, God designing us for his purpose and plans. God the designer when he sent Jesus to die and redeem us. And then we talked about God sending the Holy Spirit to be our guide on our day-to-day -day basis. Um on the first day that we were there, the kids gathered together in their uniform. They looked so cute. They had prepared a song for us that they wanted to share. And the song was in English. And you could tell that they try really hard because the song sounds perfect. At least it did to my ears. But um, it's just interesting that we had a, a little bit of a language barrier that they had as well, but they they wanted to overcome that and they chose singing with us to do that. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with Pastor Ulises and Alma and you know like you just love these two people. They are amazing. They are so welcoming and hospitable. You meet them and you just fall in love with them because they have that thing that makes them them but it's there. And we, in the time we were there, we got to know all the things they do. They, Ulises, he teaches on Sundays. And then Alma does Sunday school. She also does the women's ministry. Um, he does the men's ministry. And, you know, every Sunday they're there. They're constantly in the church. They don't live in that city, but they do commute in the weekends. So... You can just always see how eager they are to be there, even though some days it's draining and some days it's a lot of work. Um, the 41 kids that we sponsor here at Hope, they are the ones there that go visit them, you know, in their city. And it's a lot of work. They have they do that once a month for each kid. Um, something I learned in this trip was and myself personally, when you say yes to God, how much can you see him through that yes? Um, there were many times that we didn't know what was going to happen, but we said yes, and God always came through. Uh, there were many times that we saw Pastor Ulises and Alma say yes to things they didn't know, and God always provides. God always shows up. So when you're saying yes to God, you are in that place where your heart is soft and you're contrite in spirit. You're willing to pick him up on what he says. It's a good place to be. I also really enjoy, I got to go with my husband on this trip. And it was kind of our first time doing a mission trip together. He went last year, but I had to stay with our kids. And it was just really fun getting to know that side of marriage you know where God fills in the gaps and also like going with people from church you know like it's you get to know people in church in that week that you would 
have to do in like two years worth of coming to church. So that's really neat because you get to love people from your own local church. Thanks, Allie. Mark did, helped a lot with the construction and um, just was extra hands and really dug in to get to know um, one of the guys there and formed a really good relationship. I was impressed with Mark's humble service and just the relationship you built. So tell everybody about that. Yeah. Good morning, Hope. Uh, so my name is Mark Friesen. Uh, and as Dave mentioned, uh, myself, Dave, Sam, uh, we got to help uh, help them with some building projects uh, on their church, uh, specifically a, uh, a bedroom and then a kitchen. Uh, so I was going to give a quick recap of where we've been on the building projects so far. Uh, so last year, March uh, 23, uh, a team went down uh, and helped them extend the roof off the back of the church. Uh, and then last summer, uh, the Hope VBS kids, uh, they raised money to allow them to pour a concrete slab underneath that extended roof. Uh, so on this trip here, we got to go down uh, and we got to help them build two, uh, two rooms on that concrete slab under that extended roof. Uh, so as mentioned, one of the rooms is going to be a kitchen uh, that they will use when they host events uh, similar to how we use the cafe in the front of the church. Uh, and then the other room is going to be a bedroom for Ulysses and Alma. I think Allie had kind of mentioned how they do not live in the town. So when they do commute there on the weekends, they actually stay in the church. Uh, and previous to the bedroom, they would take a closet or they'd take one of the classrooms uh, and they would just put up a curtain and then they'd literally just put a little mattress on the floor and that that's where they slept. But then in the daytime, They'd have to tear all that down, pack it into the corner of a room or somewhere out of the way so that they could do ministry with the church building. Uh, so we built a, a bedroom for them. Uh, that gives them the ability to have their place, right? have their own space. They can shut the door, uh, but then they still have the church property to do uh, ministry with for the community. Uh, and, and Dave, as you mentioned, one of the people we got to work with was Ariel. Uh, I nicknamed him the professor because uh, he taught us how to uh, build uh, the way that they build. Uh, but in that short time, he became a dear friend to me uh, and actually became a dear friend to all of us on the team. Uh, while we may have been building projects together, uh, I'd say in all reality, we were building relationships together. Uh, and through creative communication, because uh, of the language barrier, using a lot of hound motions, um, he was teaching me much more than just building walls. Seeing his heart for the Lord and his joy for the Lord and his heart for that community uh, spoke deeply to me. So I was going to elaborate a little bit on how Ariel, uh, how he impacted me. In uh, you know, like today, here, here he is 3,000 miles away right now, they're probably done with church already today, so they're probably eating empanadas or ropa vieja in the back. Uh, but he's he's trying to do the same things that I am, right? Love his family, be on mission with his church, and be a faithful follower of Jesus. Uh, and it, it taught me, right, the world is big, yet we worship the same God. And to be a part of their life for just that little bit and to have the opportunity to worship the Lord with them uh, and to see their heart Ulysses, Alma, Ariel, and Iglesia Batista, to see their heart for their community and what they want to do down there, 
uh, was super special to me. Uh, it reminds me of Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. And, and I'd say, right, we got to experience that in Chica, the, the good news changing lives, similar to how it is doing here in Dubuque. Thanks, Mark. And, and you guys have been exchanging text messages and pictures as they continue to do the work. So it's been really neat to see that continue. Bethany Lois is our communication director. She had a great experience meeting um, the little girl that they sponsor and her mom. So she wants to tell us more about that. Yeah, it's, I was fortunate. This is my third time going to Panama. Um, and I would say each time has been different and it's built on each other. The first time we were there was short and it was really about the people. Um, last year, it was a lot about the projects, a little bit of people. And this time it was just a beautiful mix of both. And all those things have been blessings to that church and to um, those of us who've been on the trip. Um, you know, the more and more time I spend with these kiddos, um, the more I look at them and just see my kiddos, see our kiddos. And I look at the moms and I see you guys and, you know, the church um, brings us together. And it's just a beautiful thing of how um, things feel. The big church feels small when you just, it's about the people and loving, loving God together. I got to spend time with Hennessy, which is the little girl that our family sponsors, and her mom, Kati. There's some pictures you'll be seeing. She's the most adorable one. She's the one that's in there a bunch because I follow her around everywhere and take pictures. Um, but it was just a beautiful thing. I think my main goal was to make sure that, yes, we support you financially, but we care deeply about you. Um, and I think that that time together, we really got to show that to one another. And I, it was just very meaningful. Um, on the last day, um, they kind of surprised us and had us stand up in the front and they presented us with um, these little gifts and Hennessy brought mine to me and it was just really, um, it was just really meaningful. And um, they also presented us with this. It's a mole, which is a traditional, it's an applique kind of work that you see traditionally that they make there. And they have the name of the church and then our church. And so they made that custom for us, which was just really, really sweet. During that time, I got to say a little something. Um, and I really just looked at the moms because the moms were all there, like going to pick up their, their kids at the end. And I just said, thank you for allowing us to spend time with your kids. We've just fallen in love with them. And it was just the truest thing. Um, it was very difficult on the last day to say bye. The, there was a number of kids that stood up during that presentation and said this and things that they were grateful for and loved. And they started crying and we started crying. And then even the teenagers were crying and the moms were crying. So it was just really beautiful. We had really good connections and relationships while we were there. And we are just really excited about where this relationship is going to go forward. And we want you all to feel connected as well. They are praying for our church. I know Pastor Ulysses and Alma, they are praying for us. Um, and we have an opportunity. We actually created and we'll hand out um, these magnets. They're um, prayer magnets that just have like three little things for you to think about and, and pray. Um, and the four of us will be standing at the doors at the end of service and passing them out for one per family. And um, it's just to remind 
us to pray for Ulysses and Alma, the church and the community. And I'm actually going to pray for them right now and lift them up. Um, Dear Lord, we're just so grateful that you have chosen us to be part of your plan, that you are a sovereign God who is big, who saw this tiny little church on this mountain in Panama, and you paired us up with them, that you found us in Dubuque, Iowa, and you said these two are going to be great together to do my work. And we're just so grateful that you you let us do that, Lord. We just lift up um, Pastor Ulysses and Alma this morning as they are wearing so many hats, Lord. We pray that you sustain them and um, keep building them, that they lean into you to grow their church. Lord, we just pray for the growth in their church that they're already seeing, that um, you bring up leaders there and you just really develop relationships with you. And we ask that your light shines in this the village of Chica, Lord, that people all around notice something happening and they want to find out what that is. And it's you. It's you, God. So we're just so thankful. Um, and we lift all these things up in your name. Amen.